0: This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. On this solemnity of the Nativity of St. John the Baptist, We hear that the time had arrived for Elizabeth to give birth to a son, and that following this birth, her neighbors and relatives had heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy toward her, and they rejoiced with her. And we know in the beginning of chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke, God grants Zachariah and Elizabeth the gift of this birth. Though they are advanced in age, and despite the fact that up until this time, Elizabeth had been unable to conceive a child, because she was barren. The Catechism of the Catholic Church speaks of the Baptist within paragraph 523. St. John the Baptist is the Lord's immediate precursor, or forerunner, sent to prepare his way. Prophet of the Most High, John surpasses all of the prophets of whom he is the last he inaugurates the Gospel already from his mother's womb, welcomes the coming of Christ, and rejoices in being the friend of the bridegroom, whom he points out as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Going before Jesus in the spirit and power of Elijah, John bears witness to Christ in his preaching, by his baptism of conversion, and through his martyrdom. St. Augustine of Hippo speaks also of the Baptist within Sermon 293. The Church observes the birth of John as a hallowed event. We have no such commemoration for any other fathers, but it is significant that we celebrate the birthdays of John and of Jesus. John was born of a woman too old for childbirth. Christ was born of a youthful virgin. The news of John's birth was met with disbelief, and his father was struck dumb. Christ's birth was believed, and he was conceived through faith. Such is the topic as I have presented it for our inquiry and discussion. But if I lack the time or the ability to study the implications of so profound a mystery, the Spirit who speaks within you, even when I am not here, will teach you better. It is the spirit whom you contemplate with devotion, whom you have welcomed into your hearts, whose temples you have become. John then appears as the boundary between two testaments, the old and the new, that he is a sort of boundary the Lord himself bears witness when he speaks of the law and the prophets up until John the Baptist. Thus he represents times past and is the herald of a new era. As a representative of the past, he is born of aged parents. As a herald of a new era, he is declared to be a prophet while still in his mother's womb. For when yet unborn, he leapt in his mother's womb at the arrival of Blessed Mary. In that womb, he had already been designated a prophet even before he was born. It was revealed that he was to be Christ's precursor before they ever saw one another. These are divine happenings going beyond the limits of our human frailty. Eventually he is born. He receives his name. His father's tongue is loosened. See how these events reflect reality. Zachariah is silent and loses his voice until John the precursor is born and restores his voice. The silence of Zachariah is nothing but the age of prophecy lying hidden, obscured and concealed before the preaching of Christ. At John's arrival, Zachariah's voice is released, and it becomes clear at the coming of the one who was foretold. The release of Zachariah's voice at the birth of John is a parallel to the rending of the veil at Christ's crucifixion. If John were announcing his own coming, Zachariah's lips would not have been opened. The tongue is loosened because a voice is born. When John was preaching at the Lord's coming, he was asked, Who are you? And he replied, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. The voice is John, but the Lord in the beginning was the word. John was a voice that lasted only for a time, Christ the Word in the beginning is eternal. Take away the Word, the meaning, and what is the voice. Where there is no understanding, there is only a meaningless sound. The voice without the Word strikes the ear, but does nothing to build up the heart. Let us observe what happens when we first seek to build up our hearts. When I think about what I am going to say, the word or message is already in my heart. When I want to speak to you, I look for a way to share with your heart what is already in mine. In my search for a way to convey the message so that the word is already in my heart may find a place also in yours, I use my voice to speak to you. The sound of my voice brings the meaning of the word to you and then passes away. The word which the sound has brought to you is now in your heart, and yet it is still also in mine. When the word has been conveyed to you, does not the sound seem to say, the word ought to grow and I should diminish? The sound of the voice has made itself heard in service of the word, as though it were saying, my joy is complete. Let us hold on to the word, We must not lose the word conceived inwardly in our hearts. Do you need proof that the voice passes away, but the divine word remains? Where is John's baptism today? It served its purpose and it went away. Now it is Christ's baptism that we celebrate. It is in Christ that we all believe we hope for salvation in him. This is the message the voice cried out. Because it is hard to distinguish word from voice, even John himself was thought to be the Christ. I am not the Christ, he said, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. And the question came, who are you then? He replied, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. The voice of one crying in the wilderness is the voice of one breaking the silence. Prepare the way for the Lord, he says, as though he were saying, I speak out in order to lead him into your hearts. But he does not choose to come where I lead him, unless you prepare the way for him. What does prepare the way mean if not pray well? What does prepare the way mean, if not be humble in your thoughts? We should take our lesson from John the Baptist. He is thought to be the Christ, yet he declares that he is not what they think. He does not take advantage of their mistake to further his own glory. If he had said, I am the Christ, you can imagine how readily he would have been believed, since they believed he was the Christ even before he spoke but he did not say it. He acknowledged what he was. He pointed out clearly who he was. He humbled himself. He saw where his salvation lay. He understood that he was a lamp, and his fear was that it might be blown out by the wind of pride. Here we must see. The Baptist understood and readily accepted his role as peer precursor. He did not aspire to anything but what he was called by God to do. This is true humility, recognizing that God is God and we are his creation. This knowledge comes to us through his grace, and we could not be receptive to grace at all without genuine humility of heart. Thus, we must, in all humility, accept the state in life that God has called us to, avoiding the near occasion of sin, and thus remaining open to his transformative grace, that we might be of his voice to a world in need of his voice. If we are to follow after Christ, if we are to follow after love himself, we must lay down our lives in service to others. We must allow Christ to be born into our hearts that he who has called us might assist us in bearing our own crosses and burdens with joy, true joy, not only that he would deem us worthy to be his children, but like St. John the Baptist, enable us to become an ambassador of his love and mercy to our brothers and sisters in Christ. St. John the Baptist, pray for us.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.